8. Soidicent civilizers, would look upon their own monstrosities as the sole standard of excellence. The philosophy of the present age, however, is peculiarly the philosophy of outsides. Few dive deeper into the human breast than the bosom of the shirt. Who could doubt the heart that beats beneath a cambric front? Or who imagine that hand accustomed to dirty work which is enveloped in white kid? What Prometheus was to the physical, Stoltz is to the moral man the one made human beings out of clay. The other cuts characters out of broadcloth. Gentility island with us. A thing of the goose and shears, and nobility an attribute not of the mind, but supreme civilization. Of a garter. Certain modern advocates appear to be devout believers in this external philosophy. They are touchingly eloquent upon the savage state of those who indulge in yellow ochre, but conveniently mute upon the condition of those who prefer carmen. They are beautifully alive to the degradation of that race of people which crushes the feet of its children, but wonderfully dead to the barbarism of that race. Nearer home, which performs a like operation upon the ribs of its females. By them, also, we are told that words would manifestly fail in portraying so low a state of morals as is pictured in the lineaments of an Australian chief. A stretch of the outside philosophy which we certainly were not prepared to meet with. For little did we dream that this noble science could ever have attained such eminence, that men of intellect would be able to discover immorality in particular noses, and crime in a certain conformation of the chin, that an overattention to the adornment of the person is a barbarism all must allow, but that the pride which prompts the Esquimo to stuff bits of stone through a hole in his cheek, is a jot less refined than that which urges the Dowager Duchess to thrust colored crystals through a hole in her ear certainly requires a peculiar kind of mental squint to perceive. Surely there is as great a want of refinement among us, in this respect, as among the natives of New Zealand. Why rush for subjects for civilization to the backwoods of America, when thousands may be found, any fine afternoon, in Regent Street? Why fly to Biddy Salamander and Balcabra, when the Queen of Beauty and Count Dorsetti have equally urgent claims on the attention and sympathies of the civilizer, on the subject of civilization? Two questions naturally present themselves the one, what is civilization, the other, have we such a superabundance of that commodity among us, that we should think about exporting it, to the former question, the journal especially devoted to the subject has, to the best of our belief, never condescended a reply, although, like the celebrated argument on the color of the chameleon, no two persons, perhaps, have the same idea of it, in what then, does civilization consist? And how is it to be generally promoted? Does it, as Sir E.L.B. would doubtlessly assure us, does it lie in a strict adherence to the last month's fashions, and is it to be propagated throughout the world only by missionaries from newbies, and by the universal dissemination of curling tongs and macassar patent leather boots and opera hats white cambric pocket handkerchiefs and lavender water, or, does it consist, as the Countess of B. would endeavor to convince us, in abstaining from partaking twice of fish? and from eating peas with the knife, and is it to be made common among mankind only by distributing silver forks and finger glasses to barbarians, and printing the book of etiquette for gratuitous circulation among them, or, is it, as the mild and humane judge P. would prove to us, a necessary result of the statutes at large, and can it be rendered universal only by sending out Jack Ketch as a missionary by the introduction of rope walks in foreign parts, and the erection of gallows all over the world, or, is it, as the Archbishop of Canterbury contests, to be achieved solely by the dissemination of bishops, and by diffusing among the poor benighted Negroes the blessings of sermons, tithes, and church rates, Christianity, 
it has, on the other hand, been asserted, is the only practical system of civilization, but this is manifestly the idea of a visionary, for ourselves, we must confess we incline to the opposite opinion, and think either the bishops or Jack Ketch we hardly know which we prefer by far the more rational means, indeed, when we consider the high state of civilization which this country has attained, and imagine for an instant the awful amount of distress which would necessarily accrue from the general practice of Christianity among us, even for a week, it is clear that the idea never could be entertained by any moral or religious mind, a week's Christianity in England, what would become of the lawyer, and Parsons, it is too terrible to contemplate, nouveau manuel de voyageur, these are the continental trip days, all the world will be now touring, but everyone is not a doctor bowing, and it is rather convenient to be able to edge in a word now and then, when these rascally foreigners will chatter in their own beastly jargon, ignorant pigs, not to accustom themselves to talk decent English, il signor Marchese Cantini, the learned and illustrious author of, hi, did lo did lino, il gato e violino, has just rendered immense service to the trip-loving natives of these lovely isles, by preparing a guide to conversation, that for utility and correctness of idiom surpasses all previous attempts of the same kind, with it in one hand, and a bag full of Napoleons or Zacchini in the other, the biggest dunce in London may, even a schoolmaster may travel from below to Naples and back, with the utmost satisfaction to himself, and with substantial profit to the people of these barbarous climes, the following is a specimen of the way in which El Senor has accomplished his undertaking, it will be seen at a glance how well he has united the classical with the utilitarian principle, clothing both in the purest dialect, example gr. this is English, this is French, this is Italian, does your mother know that name, voter moment, la vostra signora you're out, set el cuvis madrisa che si tenet spachevis, usito di casa, it won't do, Mr. Selenese passera, questo non fara Ferguson, Monsieur Ferguson, cosi, Il Signore Jomes, Fergus on me, who are you, established scuvisades caevo signoria, Jomes you pair, all round my hap, tout autor montato all interno chapeau, del mio capello, goat, ye cripples, siestka, batas vous bravo, bravo, bean buatu, stropiati, crrr man, ancra ancra, such a getting diander, come on come see ha salito upstairs, Mondi la scholier, e maravigliosa, jump, Jim Crow, Sotez, Monsieur Salti, Pergrazia, Jux Corbo, Signor Giamono Corvo, it would not be fair to rob the Signor of any more of his labor, it will be seen that, on the principle of the painter and his cow, we have distinctly written above each sentence the language it belongs to, it is always better to obviate the possibility of mistakes, the omnibus the horrors of an omnibus, indeed, I've cause to curse, and if I ride in one again, I hope twill be my hearse. If you a journey have to go, and they make no delay, please ten to a one you're served like curds, they spill you on the way. A short time since my wife and I a short call had to make, and giving me a kiss, she said, a bus you'd better take. We journed on to lively cads, were for our custom triers, and in a twinkling we were fixed fast by this pair of pliers. My wife's are my hand loved in mine but soon they forced her from it, and she was lugged into the sun, and I into the comet, jammed to a jelly, there I sat, each one against me pushing, and my poor gouty legs seemed made for each one's pins a cushion, 
My life some time had gone before, I urged the Jarvis speed, when all at once the bus set off at fearful pace. Indeed, I asked the coachy what caused this. When thus his story ran, the, a man shied at an us, and so an us shied at a man. Oh, fearful crash, oh, fearful smash, at such a rate we run, that presently the comet came in contact with the sun, at that sad time each body felt, as parting with its soul, we were, indeed, a little world, and shook from pole to pole, done, the miller of Wimbledon, has recently given his infant the Christian name of Cardigan, if there is truth in the adage if, give a dog a bad name and hang him, the poor child has little else in perspective than the gallows, pray don't tell the governor, a song of ton, why, why yes twas rather late last night, in fact, past six this morning, my rascal valet, in a fright, awoke, and gave me warning, but what of that, I'm very young, and you've been in the oven, or, like me, you're wronged by rumor's tongue, so pray don't tell the governor, I dined a quarter after seven, with Dashiell of the Lancers, went to the opera at eleven, to see the ballet dancers, from thence I sauntered to the club fortune to me this love and or, I surely must have won one rub, but mind, don't tell the governor, I went to ask it t'other day, drove Kitty in a tandem, upset it against a brewer's dray I dined, so drove at random, I betted high on, outside, one I'd swear its hooks were cloven, or it ne'er the favorite horse had done, but don't you tell the governor, my cottage or nay down at Kew, so picturesque and pretty, cost me a thousands not a few, to fit it up for Kitty, she said it charmed her fancy quite, but still I can't help loving her she bolted with the plate one night you needn't tell the governor, my creditors are growing queer, nay, threaten to be furious, I'll scan their paltry bills next year, at present I'm not curious, such fellows are a monstrous bore, so I and Harry Grosvenor tomorrow start for Galia's shore, and leave duns to the governor, the author is aware there exists a legitimate rhyme for poor injure, but the leaves a match for governor lies still in the tear incognita of allowable rhythm, the explosive box, Sir Hazard Vivian was relating to Sir Robert Peel the failure of the Duke of Normandy's experiment with a terrible self-explosive box, which he had buried in a mound at Woolwich, in the expectation that it would shortly blow up, but which still remains there, to the great terror of the neighborhood, who are afraid to approach the spot where this destructive engine is interred, Sir Robert, on hearing the circumstance, declared that Lord John Russell had served him the same trick, by burying the corn law question under the treasury bench, no one knew at what moment it might explode, and blow them to, the question, he added, now is who will dig it out, exclusive intelligence, from our West End and, the observers, correspondent, we had every reason to believe, unless a very respectable authority, on whom we are in the habit of relying, has grievously imposed upon us, that a very illustrious personage has consulted a certain exalted individual as to whether a certain other person, no less exalted than the latter, but not so illustrious as the former, shall be employed in a certain approaching event, which at present is involved in the greatest uncertainty, another individual, who is more dignified than the third personage above alluded to, but not nearly so illustrious as the first, and not half so exalted as the second, has nothing whatever to do with the matter above hinted at, and it is not at all probable that he will be ever in the smallest way mixed up with it, for this purpose we have cautiously abstained from giving his name, and indeed only allude to him that there may be no misapprehension on this very delicate subject, animal magnetism, 
The Times gives a horrible description of some mesmeric experiments by A.M. Delafond, by which a boy was deprived of all sensation. We suspect that someone has been operating upon the poor law commissioners, for their total want of feeling is a mesmeric phenomenon. On Sir Edward L. and Bart, not M.P., for Lincoln, that Bolluers from Fair Lincoln Band, doth threaten evil days, for, having much waste time on hand, alas, he'll scribble plays, the new house, this is the house that Jack Bull built, once there lived, as old histories learnedly show, a great sailor and shipbuilder, named Mr. Noah, who will help put together, so wondrous no doubt of it that all sorts of creatures could creep in and out of it, things with heads, and without heads, things dumb, things loquacious, things with tails, and things tailless, things tame, and things pugnacious, rats, lions, curs, geese, pigeons, toadies and donkeys, bears, dormachets, and snakes, tigers, jackals, and monkeys, in short, a collection so curious, that no man here since could with no compare as a showman at length, Johnny Bull, with that clever fat head of his, designed a much stranger and comical edifice, to be called his, new house, a queer sort of menagerie to hold all his beasts with an eye to the treasury, into this he has crammed such uncommon monstrosities, such animals rare, such unique curiosities, that we wager a crown not to speak it in civil this house of bulls beats Noah's Ark to the devil, lest you think that we bounce the great fault, we confess, of men we proceed to detail some few things, as a specimen of what are to be found in this novel museum, as it opens next month, you may all go and see an, five woods, of five shades, grain, and polish, and gilding, are used this diversified chamber in building, not a nail, bolt, or screw, you will discover to lurk in it, though six smiths you will find every evening at work in it, a foreman and master you will see there appended to, whose words or instructions are never attended to, a leader, whom nobody follows, a pair o' knights, with courage at ninety degrees of old Fahrenheit's, full a hundred, Jim Crows, wheeling round about round about, yet only one turner is this house to be found about, of dogs' heads, Lord knows, there are plenty to spare of them, but only one cooper is kept to take care of them, a rider's maintained, but he's no horse to get upon, there's a packy too, and only one pussy to set upon, two palmers are kept, holy men, in the sill, grim age, to make every night their conservative pilgrimage, a fuller, for scouring old coats and redressing them, a tailor to fashion, and mangles for pressing them, two stewards, two fellows, a clerk, and a bailey, to keep order, yet each called to order are, daily, a duke, without dukedom a matter in common and rose, the delight, the enchantment of woman, this house has a tenant, but ask for the rent of it, he'd laugh at, and send you to Brussels or Ghent for it, of the animals properly called so, a sample we'll give to you gentlefolks now, for example, there are boars beyond count, of all ages and sizes, yet only one dog, who both learned and wise island there is a book and a robot, the latter a wicked one, whom few like to play with he makes such a kick at one, there are hawks and a heron, with wings trimmed to fly upon, and claws to stick into a lot prey they set eye upon, there is a fox, a smart cove, but, poor fellow, no tail he has, and a broom good tusks for a feed wheel be bale he has, there is a seal, and four martins, with skins to our wishes, there is a ray and two rachis, and all sorts of fishes, there's no sheep, but a shepherd, the last of the pigtails, and a ram's bottom chip of the old famous big tails, 
Now to mention in brief a few trifles extraneous. By connoisseurs classed. Odds and ends miscellaneous. There's a couple of bells frights nay. Hogtots real. A trollop. Of elegance although ideal. Of brown. Green. And scarlet men. Surely a sack or more. Besides three whole white men. Preserved with a blake more. There's a hill. And a hut. And a kirk. And astounding. The entire of old Holland this house to be found in there is a flower. With a perfume so strong to it upset ye all. And the beauty of summers is here found perpetual. There's a bogkin. A pad. A rose. And a curry. And a man that still has the. Bone air in a hurry. There is coal without smoke. A. Sue West. Without danger. And a gray. That to place is at present a stranger. There's a peel. But enough. If you're a virtuoso you'll see for yourself. And next month you may do so, when, if you don't say this new house is a wonder, we're Dutchmen that's all, and at once knuckle under, Waterford election, the Tories at Waterford carried the day, and the reign of the Reds is forever now past, for one who was wise he got out of the way, and the hopes of the other proved barren at last, state of trade, we are sorry to perceive that trade was never in a more alarming state than at present, a general strike for wages has taken place amongst the Smiths. The carpenters have been dreadfully cut up, and the shoemakers find, at the last, that it is impossible to make both ends meet. The bakers complain that the pressure of the times is so great, that they cannot get the bread to arise. The bricklayers swear that the monopolists ought to be brought to the scaffold. The glaziers, having taken some pains to discover the cause of the distress, declare that they can see through the whole affair. The gardeners wish to get at the root of the evil and consequently have become radical reformers. The laundresses have washed their hands clean of the business. The dears protest that things never look so blue in their memory, as there is but a slow demand for the butchers are reduced to their last stake. The weavers say their lives hang by a single thread. The booksellers protest we must turn over a new leaf. The ironmongers declare that the times are very hard indeed. The cabmen say business is completely at a stand. The watermen are all aground. The tailors object to the government measures, and the undertakers think that affairs are assuming a grave aspect. Public credit, too, is tottering, nobody will take doctor's drafts, and it is difficult to obtain cash for the best bills of the play. An extensive brandy ball merchant in the neighborhood of Oxford Street has called a meeting of his creditors, and serious apprehensions are entertained that a large manufacturer of lollipops in the Haymarket will be unable to meet his heavy liabilities. Two watchmakers in the city have stopped this morning, and what is more extraordinary, their watches have stopped, too. The enormous Indii, no go. The figure, stuffed with shavings, of a French grenadier, constructed by the Duke of Normandy, and exhibited by him recently at Woolwich, which he stated would explode if fired at by bullets of his own construction, positively objected to being blown up in such a ridiculous manner, and though several balls were discharged at the man of shavings, he showed no disposition to move. The Duke waxed exceedingly wroth at the coolness of his soldier, and swore, if he had been a true Frenchman, he would have gone off at the first fire. A conundrum by call. S-I-B-D-H-O-R-P. What's the difference between the top of a mountain and a person afflicted with any disorder? One's the summit of a hill, and the other's ill of a summit. A classical inscription for a cigar case. Greek, Tabakchik Hondorimalebe. Southeast Garfilo. Euripides. Free translation. Accept this gift of Tabaka Cigar Fellow. Fashions for the present week. Though the dog days had not yet commenced. Muslim is very general. And a new sort of shelly. Called shilly shelly. 
is getting remarkably prevalent. Shots are still considered the greatest hits. For those who are anxious to make a good impression, flounces are out in the morning, and tucks in at dinner parties, the latter being excessively full, and much sought after. That converses ironies. Puffs are very usual, and sleeves are not so tight as before. To allow of their being laughed in, jewels are not now to be met with in the head, which is left all natural that is to say, as vacant as possible. Why is the Gazette like a Frenchman's letter? Because it is full of broken English. Breach of privilege. In the stranger's gallery in the American House of Representatives, the following notice is posted up. Gentlemen will be pleased not to place their feet on the boards in front of the gallery, as the dirt from them falls down on the senators' heads. In our English House of Commons, this pleasant penchant for dirt throwing is practiced by the members instead of the strangers. It is quite amusing to see with what energy O'Connell and Lord Stanley are wont to bespatter and heap dirt on each other's heads in their legislative squabbles. Shocking want of sympathy. Sir Peter Lorry has made a sad complaint to the Lord Mayor, of the slippery state of the wooden pavement in the poultry, and strongly recommended the immediate removal of the blocks. This is most barbarous conduct on the part of Sir Peter. Has he lost all natural affection for his kindred, that he should seek to injure them in public estimation? Has he no secret sympathy for the poor blocks whom he has traduced? Let him lay his hand upon his head and confess that, a fellow feeling, makes us wondrous kind. Punch and feel the new cabinet. Punch. Well, Sir Robert, have you yet picked your men? Come, no mystery between friends. Besides, consider your obligations to your old crony. Punch. Do you forget how I stood by you on the Catholic question? Come, name, name. Who are to pluck the golden pippins who are to smack lips at the golden fish who are to chew the fine manchet loaves of Downing Street? Peel. The true island my dear punch punch. Stop. You may put on that demure look. Expand your right hand fingers across the region where the courtesy of anatomy awards to politicians a heart. And talk about truth as a certain old lady with a paper lanthorn before her door may talk of chastity you may do all this on the hustings, but this is not Tamworth. Besides, you are now elected. So take one of these cigars they were smuggled for me by my revered friend Colonel Sithorpe fill your glass, and out with the list, Peel, rises and goes to the door, which he double locks, returns to his seat, and takes from his waistcoat pocket a small piece of ass's skin, I have jot down a few names, punch, and, I see, on very proper material, read, Robert, read, Peel, in a mild voice and with a slight blush, First Lord of the Treasury, and Chancellor of the Exchequer, Sir Robert Peel. Punch. Of course. Well, Peel. First Lord of the Admiralty Duke of Buckingham. Punch. An excellent man for the Admiralty. He has been at sea in politics all his life. Peel. Secretary for Foreign Affairs Earl of Aberdeen. Punch. An admirable person for foreign affairs. Especially if he transacted M. in Sierra Leone. Proceed. Peel. Lord Lieutenant of Ireland Lord Warncliffe. Punch. Nothing could be better. Warrencliffe in Ireland. You might as well appoint a red-hot poker to guard a powder magazine. Go on. Peel. Secretary for Home Department Goulburn. Punch. A most domestic gentleman, will take care of home. I am sure. Go on. Peel. Lord Chancellor Sir William Follett. Punch. A capital appointment. Sir William loves the law as a spider loves his spinning, and for the same reason Chancery Cobwebs will be at a premium. Peel. Secretary for the Colonies Lord Stanley. Punch. Would make a better governor of Macquarie Harbor, but go on. Peel. President of the Council Duke of Wellington. Punch. 
think twice there, the Duke will be a great check upon you. The Duke is now a little too old a master to enjoy Tory tricks. He has unfortunately a large amount of common sense, and how fatal must that quality be to the genius of the Warncliffs, the Goulburns, and the Stanleys. Besides, the Duke has another grievous weakness he won't lie. Peel. Secretary for Ireland Sir H. Hardinge. Hunch. Come, that will do. Warncliffe. The flaming torch of Toryism. And Hardinge the small Lucifer. How Ireland will be enlightened. And how oranges will go up. Peel. Lord Chamberlain Duke of Beaufort. Hunch. Capital. The very politician for a court carpet. Besides, he knows the etiquette of every green room from the pavilion to the haymarket. The island moreover, a member of the Garrick Club, and what, if possible, speaks more for his state abilities he used to drive the Brighton coach. Peel. Ambassador at Paris Lord Lyndhurst. Punch. That's something like, how the graces of the Palais Royal will rejoice. There is a peculiar fitness in this appointment, for is not his lordship son-in-law to old Goldsmith, Willow editor of the Anti-Gallion, and for many years an honored and with all notorious resident of Paris. Of course Ben Disraeli, his lordship's friend, will get a slice of secretaryship may be allowed to nib a state quill, if he must not use one. Well, go on, Peel. That's all at present. How do you think they read? Punch. Very jailably like the summary of a Newgate calendar. But the truth is, I think we want a little new blood in the next cabinet. Peel. New blood. Explain. Dear Punch. Punch. Why, most of your people are, unfortunately, tried men. Hence, the people, knowing them as well as they know the contents of their own breeches pockets, may not be gulled so long as if governed by those whose tricks I mean, whose capabilities have not been so strongly marked. With new men we have always the benefit of hope, and with hope much swindling may be perpetrated. Peel. But my cabinet contains known men. Punch. That's it, knowing them. Hope is out of the question. Now, with ministers less notorious, the cabinet farce might last a little longer. I have put down a few names, here they are on a blank leaf of Jack Shepard. Peel. A presentation copy. I perceive. Punch. Why, it isn't generally known, but all the morality, the wit, and the pathos, of that work I wrote myself. Peel. And I must say they're quite worthy of you. Punch. I know it, but Red Red Punch's cabinet. Peel reads. First Lord of the Treasury, and Chancellor of the Exchequer the Wizard of the North. Punch. And. Wizard as the island he'll have his work to do. He, however, promises that every four pound loaf shall henceforth go as far as eight, so that no alteration of the corn laws shall be necessary. He furthermore promises to plant black heath and government waste grounds with sugar cane, and to erase the penny post stamp to fourpence, in so delicate a manner that nobody shall feel the extra expense. As for the opposition, what will a man care for even the speeches of a Sithorpe who can catch any number of bullets, any weight of lead, in his teeth? Go on, Peel. First Lord of the Admiralty T.P. Cook. Punch. Is he not the very man, who knows more about the true interests of the Navy, who has beaten so many Frenchmen, than think of his hornpipe the very shuffling for a minister? Peel. Secretary for Foreign Affairs Gold Dust Solomons. Punch. Show me a better man. Consider the many dear relations he has abroad, and then his admirable knowledge of the rates of exchange. Think of his crucible. Why, he'd melt down all the crowns of Europe into a coffee service for our gracious queen, and turn the Pope's tiara into coral bells for the little princess. 
And I ask you if such feats ain't the practical philosophy of all foreign policy? Go on. Peel. Lord Lieutenant of Ireland Henry Moret and Dear. Punch. An admirable person. As Ireland is the hotbed of all crimes. Do we not want a Lord Lieutenant who shall be able to assess the true value of every indiscretion? From simple murder to compound larceny? As every Irishman may in a few months be in prison. I want a Lord Lieutenant who shall be emphatically the prisoner's friend. Go on. Peel. Secretary for Home Department George Robbins. Punch. A man so intimately connected with the domestic affairs of the influential classes of the country. Go on. Peel. Lord Chancellor Mr. Dunn. Barrister. Punch. As it appears to me. The best protector of rich heiresses and orphans. Go on. Peel. Secretary for the Colonies Money Moses. Punch. A man. You will allow. With a great stake. In fact. With all he has. In one of our colonial possessions. Go on. Peel. President of the Council Mrs. Fry. Punch. A lady whose individual respectability may give a convenient cloak to any policy. Go on. Peel. Secretary for Ireland Henry Moret and Dears Footman. Punch. On the venerable adage if like master like man. Go on. Peel. Lord Chamberlain the boy Jones. Punch. As one best knowing all the intricacies. From the royal bedchamber to the scullery. Of Buckingham Palace. Besides he will drive a donkey cart. Go on. Peel. Ambassador at Paris Alfred Bunn. Or any other translator of French operas. Punch. A person who will have a continual sense of the necessities of his country at home, and therefore, by his position, be enabled to send us the earliest copies of M. Scribe's printed dramas, or, in cases of exigency, the manuscripts themselves, and no,